my name is atul thakkar i'm the co-founder at alliance insurance brokers and uh, also a startup founder at elephant.in a lot started founders talk about the middleman as someone who needs to be disrupted and removed from the chain between manufacturer and customer after all the word direct to customer is nothing but a declaration of war on the middleman but in reality the middleman plays a supremely important role in helping the manufacturer reach scale build better products and be more responsive to customer needs This episode is a masterclass on the value of building a middleman business and how to scale such a business. Arthur Thakkar runs Alliance Insurance Brokers, which is one of the largest offline insurance distribution companies in India, and he has been a pioneer in the insurance domain, from helping insure new and unique types of liabilities to being one of the few companies in his space to secure PE funding. Stay tuned for Akshay's insightful conversation with Arthur Thakkar in which he learns how to scale a distribution business and the amazing disruption Arthur is bringing about in the insurance sector. Let's first understand a little bit about the scale and scope of Alliance. Uh, how big is Alliance? What kind of uh what are some of the metrics that you can share with our listeners about alliance uh so yeah so alliance operates uh across 16 cities in india we are a team of more than 500 people we insure and cover almost every sector from space to manufacturing to sports to media to diamond to jewelry to it to infra to renewable energy uh, so we are a very well spread out uh, you know advisory brokerage firm and uh, we service around 3000 customers on the corporate side around 10 lakh individuals uh, on the health side uh, and an equally larger number on the elephant which is a retail arm of alliance uh, we were born in 2003 so we are uh, you know a little about 21 so we're kind of uh, we are adult now <laughs> we were no longer a team and uh, uh, in terms of our premium that we broke uh, it's a little about 2000 crores that makes us one of the largest um, indian player in the space uh, not only the largest indian player but also the largest publicly private equity funded indian player in the space uh, and this gives us access to capital uh, almost at will um, to allow us to expand the horizons either on technical parameters geographical expansion technology stack and ability to um, service our customers without uh, capital being a constraint Okay, uh, I want to zoom in on some of these metrics. Two uh, thousand uh, crores worth of premium collected. So this would be uh, like bigger than the online players, also like say a policy bazaar or uh, all of these. No, we would be larger than almost everybody. 
but policy bazaar is more on the retail side while we are more on the corporate side so it's not a fair comparison okay um uh, uh, and uh, they are an insurtech arm uh, okay. while we at alliance our prime business is uh, b2b uh, mm. and not b2c uh, mm. the b2c arm is elephant which is our uh, which is our uh, insurtech subsidiary okay so yeah and you could also pitch us like we would be larger than a lot of even insurance companies some of the insurance companies in this so not mm. just in the broking segment but also in terms of the premium under management would be larger than some of the insurers as well okay amazing and uh, so uh, your earning your revenue would be some percentage of this 2000 crore premium collected yeah premium. which are which which and and for the listeners and for you akshay uh, this is a very regulated industry uh, mm. everything is very transparent uh, our regulator irda regulates our earnings um so yes so being a brokerage firm we and a advisory firm we would advise our customers what to buy mm. from where to buy at what price to buy how to buy it how to structure it uh and which are the carriers or insurers we should be using for that risk transfer and yes our fee would be a percentage of the premium that we park what's like a blended average percentage number it could range from 10 to 12% okay. okay got it got it okay so yeah that gives me a fair idea of uh, the business uh, uh, let's talk about your journey um did you always want to be an entrepreneur how did you end up uh, becoming an entrepreneur so i'm i'm basically a chartered accountant by profession and uh um uh, when we were in college um uh besides doing my article ship uh which was more like a 9 to 5 job uh while you're studying in your uh, uh higher education i was running a entertainment company called planet entertainment and we were three partners and we used to launch new talents we used to run certain restaurants and nightclubs um we would uh ensure those special new year events are created as a college kid uh so uh so that started early on for me and um and you best. studied in delhi this was all in delhi no no this is all in mumbai um, mumbai I'm, okay i'm i'm very much a bombayite uh, as one can be um and uh, I completed my chartered accountancy insurance ran in the blood because my father was working for an insurance company uh, uh, he worked 23 years for united india uh, kind of co-founded ifco tokyo in the country uh, worked with ifco tokyo for a long time and uh, this is when 2003 um, broking was set up in india um, i remember shri atal bihari vajpayee was our prime minister then and the law of insurance was passed and uh, the father son decided let's uh, co-found a broking business uh, i knew nothing about insurance he came from an insurance background but uh, uh nothing about broking uh so we both were novices to the business uh as such and alliance was born in 2003 and uh, yeah and rest is history today 
uh, we two thousand three is when the deregulation happened. They allowed foreign investment in insurance space. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think Vajpayee was very progressive uh, from an insurance point of view, and um, I think a lot. You know, it's it's amazing that you know uh, U.S. elections are lost or won based on insurance norms. That's how critical uh, protection is for individuals and businesses. So I think Vajpayee was quite progressive, and uh, he got this broking entities in play because we are operating in a perfect conflict situation, right? Uh, client wants the lowest premiums, he wants the highest cover, and he wants claims to be paid with no questions asked. On the other side, the insurers want the highest premiums; they want to ideally provide a restrictive cover and do their risk management, and there are conditions to pay a claim. So now you know you have a buyer and a seller uh, who are not truly aligned. They are conflicted with their interest, and you need someone who will advise the customer and get this job done. And that's why globally, uh, a lot of countries in broking is mandatory. You can't do direct business uh, because you need to be advised, and you there has to be someone who is bringing you that advice. Uh, so I think uh, India is heading towards that. But yeah, so 2003 was when this started. Uh, a couple of questions in terms of the regulatory framework. Uh, so prior to 2003, it was essentially agency, right? Like you, and as an agency or an agent, you represent uh, only one or like limited number of companies. Like like no, was, only one insurance. Only one insurance company. Oh. So so you, you are like an employee. Have... Yeah, you are like an employee of an insurance company on variable pay. Got it. Okay. And in case of a brokerage, you. Represent the client rather than the insurance Absolutely. company, and so Absolutely. you can go and do shopping on behalf of the client. Talk to multiple people, get multiple proposals for them. Uh, Structure it, hmm. and sometimes so a lot of alliance business happens from what we call as structured solutions, uh, or what we call as speciality, where the clients want something which is not typically available with insurance companies in India. So you go and bring capacities from global markets. And you stitch up a program, uh, you know. So all of that is possible uh, in the interest of risk transfer and clients' requirements, as long as you have expertise and ability to do this, and the brokerage platform allows you and gives you that ability to do it. Okay, interesting. Uh, who was your first customer? How did you, you know, how did the money start coming in? Uh, I remember I was 21 and uh, I had gone to a company which is called the Anchor Group. We all have heard of Anchor. Uh, electronic uh, electronic. Like accessories kind of. I mean, yeah. like the plugs and so on. Yeah, so I remember meeting the owner um, and pitching to him. He, he asked me, where's your office? Uh, and I told him, we don't have one yet. Uh, if you give me the business, I'll have the money to go rent one. <laughs> he he looked like a question mark at me, you know. But somehow I could convince him to write the first check. Yeah. And what was the the insurance product that you sold? Uh, it was his fire insurance for his factories. Okay, okay. A very and, traditional product. And, and like before you can start selling, do you need uh, like a uh, 
an impanelment with insurance companies to sell their products oh, or what? No, no, you need you need a brokerage license which requires a minimum paid up capital, which is five crores today. It was 50 lakhs back then. Um, and uh, you need to clear broking exams. Um, and uh, yeah, so you need to be qualified. As I said, it's a regulated business. So we were a small team. We were a team of only three, four people. Yeah, and I mean, 50 lakhs must have been like your father's life savings types. No? The... It, it was father's life saving plus loans. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so it was... Um, uh, but, but it was beautiful, right? Because you are um, building something up. So I remember my mother would say that, you know, my husband had a great job. He left one. My son is a chartered accountant, doesn't want to take up one. And none of them are making money. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what are they doing. I'm clueless. Why are they doing this and what are they doing? Like by the end of the first year, how much were you like monthly revenue? What, what were you able to pay yourself some salary or like how long did it take? Uh, I think we were in a position to pay us some salary after the year one was over. So year one was literally no salaries. Right. It was right. the second year when we started paying. I remember my first salary was 50,000. Okay. A Which month. is yeah. pretty good for those days. I mean, Which is not... pretty good for those days. Uh, I mean, um, as a CA, you would have been able to earn equal or more. Uh, uh, I had an offer. I had an offer when I when I co-founded Alliance. I had an offer of 18 lakhs. Wow. From one of the big fours. Uh, and I and we when we co-founded this, obviously there was no pay for the first 12 months. Yeah. While a lot of my friends were working for large firms um, and making very good money. Between 18 to 24 lakhs in 20, 2003 would be very good a lot of money back then and, yeah. and and I would say to some of them listen I'm still not started off I'm still on that I'm still on the stipend yeah. 300 400 bucks a month yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 so you know what what were uh, what were you, uh, you must have understood how to scale the business uh, you, you know can you share that understanding with like what was it about getting referrals or was it about going and meeting a lot of customers and doing a lot of pitches or was it about uh, building a team which can go out and sell or you know like like how did you understand about the insurance brokerage business what's your understanding of the business and how to scale it so you know back then in 2003-2004 the there was no strategy the strategy was to survive there was a survival strategy you know when you're hungry you don't choose restaurants yeah. Just grab the food is available in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the strategy was to go meet as many people as you can. Uh, some would be references, some would be old relationships. Uh, I think my father spent a lot of time in the industry, so he had some old relationships. Go meet them, get references from them, uh, do a lot of lot of cold calling, um, and I think that's one thing uh, businesses should never stop doing. Um, even today, I believe uh, you should never stop cold calling because everyone wants a solution and they are waiting for someone to knock their doors. So it started off with that. Uh, second year, when we had little capital, uh, capital is too big a word for them. We had some money. <laughs> we could start hiring whoever we could afford um, back then. So 
uh, so it started off by creating a smaller team. And, and this uh, was like a sales heavy business, right? Like as an interest broker, you are essentially, your core task is to sell, right? Like you yeah, were hired sales Yeah, absolutely. People. Yeah, so it was a still, year two, I still remember, it was not like a large sales team. It was just a two member team besides me. Uh, so it was, you are hardly able to pay your own salaries. Uh, so, yeah, so it was, I think it took almost three years, uh, first three years to get to a level where we were in a position to pay ourselves and uh, to the talent we could attract uh, market salaries. So it was 36 months is what it took us to read there. Amazing. And how much were you earning by the end of third year? Like, I think I was still not paid more than one lakh. Yeah, right, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was still paid almost less than half of what my other colleagues were getting paid. But yeah. you're building something for yourself, right? That's the whole hmm. point. What was the business earning by the end of the third? I think by the end of the third year, we were at a brokerage of around 35, 40 lakhs. Not okay. Much. Okay. Yeah, pre premiums of around 3 to 4 crores. Okay. Uh, this is uh, uh, annual earning. Yeah, annual earning of 3 to 4 crores or maybe 5 crores at max. Got it. Okay. I remember it was closer to 5 crores because we would have, I still remember celebrating the oh, we've reached the first okay. benchmark of 5 crores, you know. Uh, 5 crores in premiums. So, yeah. That's right. Okay. So, uh, you know, from, from uh, I, I guess you must have been about uh, like maybe a dozen people by the end of third year. Yeah, around 8 to 10 people. We were operating in an office which was 170 square feet. Mm. Um, I'm giving you an interview for my boardroom, which is twice that size today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, but my entire office was 170 square feet, and the best part would have been that if when someone would come to meet you, it was an unsaid rule: two people have to get out and leave. <laughs> there is no place for you to sit. So, jiska visitor aayega, wo betega. Baki sab quietly go out and go have a cup of tea down. You know. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, so that's it was beautiful, you know. It was I think that's the best part of being a startup. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, when did you hit that point of inflection where you would have grown very fast? Suddenly, you see that you are a hundred member company. Uh I think uh, we were doing fine till two thousand eight. We were growing steadily. Uh, that's five years from the time we started. Uh, but 2008, we hit a recession, you know, the global meltdown. Uh, a lot of people uh, started losing jobs. Uh, businesses were under pressure. Uh, and to couple it with, we got into deregulation on price points. So what used to be the brokerage became the premium. So your incomes actually went down by 90% in 2008. You could have not timed it in a more worse manner. Just help me understand this a little better. What do you mean? So... So, uh, till 2008, India operated on a fixed tariff. It was a fixed price for a risk transfer. You know, it was like a ready reckoner. You would see, you would apply a rate. Uh, there was no price. There was no open pricing. All and insurers would charge the same price for the same risk. Okay. Which uh, so you want on a tariff? Which is very simplistic, right? Like because risk is so complicated. Yeah, which is you can't. Yeah, which is simplistic. Yeah. But when when the regulator got into de-tariffing, which it had to. Uh, you can't have, you know, all cars being sold at the same price, you know. Yeah. 
and having the same features. Just think of it that way. Uh, so the regulator had to get into detariffing for more insurers to come in for um, each risk to be rewarded and rated accordingly. Uh, you know, horses for courses rather than painting everybody with the same brush. But it was just timing. 2008 created detariffing. 2008 also created the whole global meltdown. So you had business under pressure and your brokerages went down by 90%. Why, why I did, know a lot of brokers which shut down. Why did detariffing affect brokerage? Because you would earn like 10-12%, right? Like irrespective of... No, but the price went down by 90%, right? So your earning became 10% okay. of that lower rate. Okay. Like very predictable so risk, uh, it became a race to the bottom. Yeah, it became... See, when you, when you tell competition that now you're free to price... It's a free fall. It's like a market going down for the first 12 months uh, before they realize where the bottom should be and then you start bouncing back. Mm. So it was just bad year and very bad timing. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I imagine very standard products like car insurance and all must have like crashed because everyone would have wanted volumes there and they would have reduced price to get volume. It was, it, it was very traditional till 2008. It was very traditional that, you know, that... Uh, Majority of the Indian sector had only property and car insurance business. Some amount of marine business. The 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 fancy things never came into place till then. Uh, and I think, uh, as you say, you know, need is the mother of all inventions. Uh, it's only when you're hungry you learn how to climb the tree. Um, so that's exactly the euphoria moment we went through in 2008. Markets are not good at all. Detariffing is almost there to choke you. Uh, and you really don't know whether you should take up a job somewhere or you should shut down or you should survive. Or, And I think that's when uh, we as a team took a call that, you know, we are here to stay. And uh, fine, we may not have enough uh, headway to run today. But we are going to get into areas where all these market conditions do not affect us. And that's when 2008-2009 Alliance started focusing on what we today call speciality. Um, so speciality was born not out of strategy. It was born more of because speciality, the tariff never applied. It was not property insurance. So we first started looking at can we insure movies. And, and in Bombay. And your own prior experience of running entertainment business would have like... Correct. So I started calling some of my old connects, uh, reaching to uh, different people. Uh, and I was uh, in no time uh, uh, sitting in Dharma's office. Wow. <laughs> okay. In in three months. And uh, that's the first movie we insured. Uh, which, uh, which movie was that? This was Dostana. Okay. Okay. This was, uh, I, if I remember, it was John Abraham and Abhishek Bachchan. Okay. And we are hit with claim. Uh, because you had charge attacks. Oh, right. And, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so then Alliance started focusing on speciality. And while we divided. How did you the, find insurers who would insure movies? Like you, you had to like convince. We, 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 yeah, you had to do massive convincing. Um. You you use your historic relationships and uh, you do technical structuring and you say, listen, guys, you are in the business of writing the risk, right? So as long as it's a measurable risk, one needs to write it. So you started convincing them. 
and the business was then very strategically divided between speciality and what we call as a corporate business the corporate business remained a brick mortar business speciality became those fancy things which nobody wanted to underwrite or there was no focus on it uh and then that's how the business started being built so you started with media then into got into sports then you got into jewelry then you what, got what do you insurance sure sports like the event uh, uh, like the so alliance insures alliance insures 100% of the cricket played in the subcontinent today but what part of it do you insure that the revenue from ticket sales or what like everything revenue from ticket sales revenue from sponsors revenue from advertisers on your broadcasting uh, it's it's a perishable commodity right so if you if you're watching a 2020 game you have 40 overs and you have ads to show between those 40 overs and that ad revenue is what we would ensure if that 40 overs would get curtailed because nobody wants to show an ad when the ball is not live uh you know you can't show ads between when there is uh, cover on the field and it is raining for example so you would you would cover loss of revenue you would cover a player injuries you would cover sponsorship loss you would cover ticketing revenue loss you would cover various things and for movies what would you cover like again a ticket collection like not on the movies is more complex right you can just imagine how many characters have to be on a screen uh, which we see but on the on on the shooting floor you have a illness sickness of a star you could have a camera which is malfunctioning you could have a fire to a set or you could have a riot going on or you could have uh, a flight which has been missed by somebody or you could have uh, uh, somebody suing you ye mera gana hai ye meri story hai ye tune mera hai or you are offending a certain religious sentiment or you are uh, you know offending a product like i remember we were on a legal claim when you know uh, jandu bam had sued one of the actresses on a song of salman khan uh, you know so it's various thing is it's the it's endless what you can imagine everything that you can wildly imagine can go wrong does go wrong uh, it could be anything and we would insure it okay okay I I imagine these contracts must be extremely complex, right? To to actually, like, you would need to document all types of risk in it, and this is covered, this is covered, this is covered, and so on. And alliance and 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 alliance worded these contracts, so we created these contracts. They were not available in the open market. Yeah, I can. Imagine. We worded it. We sat with clients, understood the exposures, went to shooting floors, saw how a movie is shot, all the things that could possibly go wrong. See, we are risk managers, so we may not know how to make a movie, but we can envisage all that can go wrong in making one. Uh, and then we converted that into a document, which insurers would be happy to issue. Um, so yeah, we've we've done a lot of legwork there. Amazing. And the insurers who agreed, they were like what private players, government players? Well, they were to start with those government players. Okay. Uh, they had a larger balance sheet to write the risk. Right. Okay. Uh, and you know. private players would look at what's my quarterly profit yeah. uh, right uh, at least back then no longer i think they have a larger uh, long tail view today but back then they would be it's it's new business private sectors just opened up people are not as um, experiment oriented so you needed somebody who would back you you know 
and believe in your strategy. Okay, amazing. And so, by uh, you said movies, you said sports. Uh, what what else did you get into in terms of speciality insurance? Diamonds, jewelry, cash, movements, bullion, aviation, agriculture, aquaculture. Diamond jewelry would be like theft insurance. Yeah, theft insurance and uh, even working upon, right? The rough diamond gets worked upon pressure. It could burst. Uh, various risks to it. Um, now we cover computer crimes there because everything is electronically managed. It's not physical diamonds anymore. Uh, shipments, uh, you're moving it from Surat to Mumbai to Antwerp. Uh, flight risk, custom risks, various things. So by 2010-11, like what kind of headcount were you at? What kind of premiums were you collecting? I think by 2010-11, we were uh, almost 100 crore premium. Okay, amazing. And what? Okay. Yeah, we were, we would be close to around 75. Okay, okay. And... Uh, when did you do your first fundraise? I think about 2015 is when you did your first fundraise, right? From yeah, 14, 15, 14. yes. Because we started coming under a lot of pressure from the big boys. Uh, who are the big boys? A uh, lot of global multinational brokers who, who set up shops in India. You know, they are big in New York, they are big in London, but now they've entered India. Like yeah. A lot of captive players. Eon yes, would be... Yeah, Aeons, Marshes, Willis's of the world. Okay. Um, then uh, a lot of uh, multinational, a lot of bro captive brokers started coming up, like you know Reliance, Mahindra, Tata, Aditya Birla. So you know, uh, a captive broker is essentially like catering to all the insurance needs of that conglomerate. That's what it means. Of the conglomerate, but also they would start looking at things outside, right? Okay. Because they have a larger base, they have deeper pockets. Mm. Uh, so we realized that we are playing a game um, of not just catering to our clients, but we are also playing a game of do we have the ability to invest in the future, which could be either technology, either people, either geographies, either sectors. Uh, uh, it's no longer about, uh, I think it was very clear by 14, 15, that this is not about uh, how good you are. It is how strong you are. It's about the muscle play. Because you, you would be good at something, but your competitor could convince an insurer not to back you because he or she is parking larger business. Um, you could be good at something, but you still need a minimum income to survive while competition would say, listen, I don't want to make money for 12 months, but I want to eat into their business. Um, so it it no longer became till 14, 15, it was all about, you know, you're a startup, you are here to service your clients, your clients love you, you are growing steadily. Um, and you are you are kind of not uh stamp standing on other people's feet. But by 14, 15, you started rubbing shoulders uh with a lot of big boys. Uh maybe not running rubbing shoulders, but you were rubbing their knees, let's put it that way. You were not still at their shoulder height. Uh but they started feeling the threat. Uh, that who's this non-funded uh, local 
uh, you know this, this bunch of uh, uh, kids who are trying to you know do this. So you would start. They would start. They would they would switch on the heat on you like it would happen on any market. Um, and if you have to counter this heat, and you have to go and fulfill your vision, we realized capital was needed, and uh, we didn't want to be part of any large corporate group, or we did not want to be a subsidiary of a larger broker. Our independence was very important to us, so that's when we thought private equity is the right road for us to walk on. And it's always good to know, you know, what you are being, what you are worth back then. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's when we did our first raise. I, I have not really heard of a brokerage business being able to raise private equity money. Yeah, we were the first. We were the first in 14-15 and, and we showed to the industry it's possible. Because, I mean, you know, Brokerage businesses typically, uh, I mean, you know, there's in like most, uh, the, mostly the funding goes to like a product company which has a, a IP and it has sticky customers and predictable revenues and so on and so forth. Uh, for a brokerage business, I mean, the case for external funding is a little weaker, right? Because you are reliant on the supplier, the, the manufacturer of insurance in a way that they it wasn't easy, uh, Akshay, to convince. I must have met <laughs> in fourteen, fifteen. I must have met more than fifty private equity funds, uh, and forty-nine of them wrote us off. And, and the reason was this only that I mean, funding a brokerage is like not really. No, no. The reason the reason for them was you are too small, and we are not confident if you can scale. Okay. How will we? How will we get an exit? And 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 of course, the reasons that you know you do not have your own capacity, and and there are uh, there are four and there are three hundred and fifty to four hundred brokers back then, and you are not in the top hundred also. Uh, so, you know, why should we back you? Okay, you're good. You spoke of the competition from uh, other brokers. Uh, so they can pass on their brokerage as additional discount to the customers? Is that one of the ways in which they can use capital to outcompete? Yeah, they would they would tell the insurer, give me a price without brokerage. Ah, okay. And so then nobody else can match that price. So that's how they can use capital to or 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 they would also say, listen, we will do valuation for you, we will do risk management studies for you, we will do internal audit gaps for you. We will deploy an implant for you. We will, uh, you know, it it, it it would not make business sense. But in 14-15, a lot of this was happening. So, um, so we were genuinely feeling the heat um, in 14-15. And uh, so 2008 was when we, we first felt the heat. And... 2014 was second time when we started feeling the heat because of different reasons to 2008. Um, but yeah, it 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 wasn't easy. And, and what was your headcount then? The premium collected by 1450. 
not just if you are superman uh you need a bunch of avengers there you can't fight it alone um so you know that's a more difficult journey and uh it all starts by having a great team uh and they buying your vision if if people are working with you for salaries alone you can never get the best out of them because they'll always be somebody ready to pay them a little extra uh but if people are working towards a common vision then they will also take pay cuts they will also not draw salaries and they will also reap benefits uh of the growth because then they are truly working like entrepreneurs and not working like employees and that's always been our culture that you know let's create more entrepreneurship within the ecosystem let's create more sense of ownership within the ecosystem uh let's empower people to take decisions uh 10 mein se do decision wrong honge but the important part is the eight are right you are better off having two wrong and eight right rather than somebody not taking any decisions and coming to you for everything so you know i think that is where uh the zero to one journey uh played out very well for us because from a 150 200 crore under management in 5 years to make it 10x uh is where you know the accelerator was pressed and uh, i think the most important thing is to believe in people uh people forget that the only magic that really exists in this world is within humans uh it does not exist in the harry potter world it does not exist anywhere else uh it only exists within our own ecosystem and and to truly bring out the magic you need to deploy faith into people and if you give them the faith they will feel more responsible they will feel more capable and they will bring the best out of themselves and that's what magic is for me amazing amazing yeah the nx growth in the last 5 6 years is phenomenal uh, you know uh, i was using that uh, insurance brokerage would be a lot like what you see in movies about wall street wall street brokerage is very high pressure environment always pressure to sell 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 how do you build that kind of a performance culture uh, because you you know you you really need uh, a very high orientation towards meeting targets chasing targets and so on in people uh, how do you build that kind of a culture how do you build that kind of a team which is constantly chasing targets it's very simple i don't know why people complicate it everybody is clear of what they want to achieve but nobody wants to define what they want to share with your teams <laughs> it's so complicated when i look at my peers that you know uh, your rating comes in a particular manner company performance team performance this this i'm saying it's very clear right if you are creating a concept of entrepreneurship then you define to your people this is what i want boss from you and you achieve this and this is the minimum that you get from us whether the company is making money or losing money why should he or she pay a price for his colleague not delivery as long as you define that clearly and you define it that the only way for you to grow in this ecosystem is not because your boss loves you is because your performance is standing on its own feet and that's when 
your culture is defined but people don't want to do this people want to keep control over his his or her faith at the end of the year people want to complicate it people want to make themselves important rather than systems and processes being more important they want how what they feel about it's it's not about what atul feels about akshay it's about what akshay is delivering and that changes the culture and then you may have to uh say sorry to people at the end of the year because they've just not done it and you will have to reward people who have done it so essentially your culture is if you go and achieve good numbers you will take home good money not just good numbers i'm saying whatever is the target that is defined it could be good numbers it could be positive feedbacks that we want from our customers it is solving certain critical issues it is about how collaborative you are because you are operating across today uh, 16 cities you are operating on 10 specialty lines you are operating between five practices uh, uh you are operating on specialty reinsurance government business insurtech corporate solution sme it is not possible that you are operating going to be in straight jacketed approach you will have overlaps you will have collaboration you will have uh how are you uh you know delivering on all these fronts but you define it i'm saying don't keep it to whims and fancies of individuals you define it in a holistic manner whatever you want to achieve you know i'm saying let any organization will have different objectives uh we may have an objective of top line and not bottom line at some time at some time we may have an objective of bottom line and we don't care about top line some teams we will have objective of only ramping up whether we are doing business or not we want to create a 50 member team in this market and we want to be coating on every possible risk whether we convert or not every unit every geography every team within the organization will not necessarily have the same objective to achieve in that particular year each unit and each team each geography needs to be defined what is expected from them and you also define if we deliver this this is what we are happy to ensure that as an entrepreneur this is your share of the profits okay and don't link it to don't link it to you know i don't think you have this and don't link it to subjective thing because it has to be measurable right amazing amazing i'm guessing a large part of your role is this to set uh, targets Uh, so that everybody is aligned you know large part of my role today is uh, you know i divide my time i like to divide my time into the following four buckets one i like to spend time with my team to ensure that you know they are on track they are aligned we are reviewing them we are understanding from them we are solving problems on the go we are strategizing for the future and we are investing for the future that's one part of the bucket the second part of the bucket is we are constantly meeting new talent uh looking at new opportunities looking at new businesses new lines of businesses new capacities like uh we our, our startup dna will never end so we will keep creating startups within our ecosystem so uh you know we have a team that we recently created on aquaculture where you are ensuring 
prawns and shrimps, uh, you know, of their their growth. Uh, we recently created a team which is looking at only renewable energy. Uh, you know, there's a massive boost to renewable energy by the government. But what is renewable energy working on? It's working on two things. You have a government contract, buy it at a particular price. And you have a financer who is funding you to deploy that capital on the pretext that you will generate so much energy. And what are you generating energy from? Sunlight and wind. Has anybody thought of lack of sun and lack of wind? So we have a team that we have created. What happens if the sun does not shine as bright as it should? Or what happens if the wind does not move at the speed at which it should? Then you lose money. So we will keep innovating and investing. Whether it is talent, sector, tech, geography, whatever. So the second part of my time goes in identifying futuristic opportunities to invest. Um, the third, the third of my bucket goes in uh, meeting clients. You should never be away from your customers. Um, you should always ensure that you're meeting some of your critical relationships uh, just to constantly give them comfort. You are also meeting new relationships to give them the confidence. So this balance of comfort and confidence is very important. Existing clients need comfort. New clients need confidence. Um, and it's important to lead from front, you know. So you you constantly keep demonstrating that boss hunting as hota hai, farming as hota hai, um, as in when you have the time. And the and the fourth part of my bucket, uh, uh you know, kind of goes in the overall firefighting, which is regulatory firefighting, insurance companies relationships, investor relationships. Compliance has become a very important aspect of the business. Uh, analyzing tech, uh, you know, whether your current tech stack is good enough, you need to upgrade it. And how do you deploy that upgrade? So a lot of, I would not typically call it firefighting, but it would be, um, you know, analyzing and reanalyzing potential threats and potential uh, relationships, uh, which is not restricted to your your team and clients. It could be the the other stakeholders. Uh, so this is typically where I spend you know my time. Okay, okay, got it. Amazing. Um, what is the organization structured like? You know, like you have five hundred people, so like each practice has a head or. And like, is it yeah, so there is, so you will have a practice CEO. Uh, uh, you you then don't, it's it's then these practice CEOs, they are not working for you. That's another cultural change you need to have. You are working for them. You are working for your speciality CEO. You are working for your corporate CEO that, you know, how can I help you expand better? Can I help you do this better? You are working for your elephant CEO that, you know, what next thing you want to do? What is your strategy? Where are you getting stuck? The minute you think they are working for you, that's a different culture versus you are working for them. That's a different culture. So I believe in the second part. I don't think they are working for me. I think I'm working for them. And I'm responsible towards helping them, guiding them, supporting them, solving their challenges, if any. Deploying capital into them like an investor. Uh, that's that's the way I like to work. Uh, you know, as a as an organization. Okay. And do you have uh, like centralized 
shared functions or like each CEO has their own of functions. The... No, no, no. So, so the, you would have shared services because you need to bring uh, effic- efficiency of scale. Mm. You need to bring operating leverage. So you would have common functions and you would have two two common functions. One is your business support and one is non-business support. Non-business support would be HR, finance, legal, uh, recruitment, recruitment team, compliance, branding, marketing, uh, so on and so forth. Your business support would be your underwriting teams, your claims teams, your uh, health. Health is a large part of our business and a massive focus area. Your health delivery team, your wellness teams like doctor on calls, health checkups, wellnesses, um, so on and so forth. Your tech team is a common team which will go and support with different businesses. So today, you know, a lot of jewelry which people buy, they get auto insurance alliances sitting behind those jewelers. So you will have a tech team which will work with the jewelry team that looking, let me get you a tech where every time a bill is issued for a bangle, insurance is also issued record, you know, in the same breath. So you need to have tech integration with your billing system. So you have a lot of common support team because you can't expect these business CEOs to be good at everything. They are good at business. They are good at managing people. But they need the right kind of ecosystem to support them as well, you know. And uh, yeah, and and that's when they bring the scale, right? Um, so yeah, so that's the way we work. Well, what do you do in your health business? Is it like the employee health insurance for corporates? That's part of the corporate business, or do you also have like a direct to consumer health business? Yeah, so we have two businesses now. Um, Alliance does the corporate business. So we obviously, as I said, we work with more than 3,000 corporates. Uh, We insure more than 10 lakh lives as health insurance for corporate employees. Uh, But we realize that uh, those corporate employees are not treated with the same corporate muscle power for their individual needs. So... Let's let's take a situation of you have a large corporate with 10,000 employees. The corporate has a lot of muscle to go bring the best for their balance sheet insurances or the premiums that they pay. But imagine Akshay who's working for that large corporate for his individual health insurance or life insurance or home insurance or travel insurance or his bike insurance for that matter. He is still dependent on an agent or a banker channel or a InsurTech platform, which is treating him like the way the whole world is being treated. So the corporate superpower or the corporate muscle does not get transformed to the employee for their own insurances. So we saw this as a massive uh, gap. We saw this as a massive gap from an Akshay point of view. And we saw it as a massive opportunity from a business point of view. And that is where Elephant was born. So Elephant is an insurance advisor to corporate employees. And it negotiates deals on the strength of the corporate and transforms it down to the individual. So that individual will get the deal in terms of price, in terms of cover, in terms of claim service. Which he cannot get in the open market because he is working for that corporate. So his corporate email ID is his entry password to unlock the world of elephant. Um, 
So, would it not make sense for you to negotiate as an entire platform? You negotiate for it is it is negotiate it is no no it's negotiate yeah. as an entire platform. Okay, okay. So so as elephant you can go and get special. So as elephant yes elephant which has access to three thousand customers of alliance, mm. it has a separate sales team which goes and attacks non-alliance customers, mm. has access to say a crore corporate employees. Mm. Okay. And it goes to the markets, negotiates deals, mm. uh, and offers it to these corporate employees. Mm. But sometimes certain corporates may want a very unique cover. Uh, say they may say, listen, we are providing a 10 lakh rupee health insurance to all our employees. We want you to get us a top off of another 20 lakhs optional to our employees in excess of 10 lakhs. Now, everybody may not have a 10 lakh cover, right? So then we would go and negotiate that for that corporate and that deal gets unlocked only on his email ID. Okay. 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 So our AI has an ability to offer you depending on what corporate email ID you're coming with and offer you a deal which is meant for you. Right. So, so maybe like a Reliance employee might see more deals than uh, somebody from a smaller company. No, not necessarily. It could be, and we have the ability to offer that same deal to another company also if there is a fitment. So the deals that get negotiated go sit in a common bank and depending on our AI's ability to identify what you actually need gets offered to you. Okay, okay, got it, got it, okay. So essentially this is a way to compete with someone like uh, a policy bazaar without the cash burn. because. Absolutely, absolutely. Our investors love this business. Right. Because we are not burning cash to acquire customers. Mm. Right, yeah. Because you acquire one corporate that gives you anywhere from 500 to 5,000 uh, customers per corporate acquired. So. Yeah, but at the same time, we don't even wish to go to B2C. We don't want to be a B2C player. That is not the objective of Ellison. We want to be a B2B2E player. That is business to business to employees. Okay. 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 Fascinating. And when did you launch Elephant? We launched, we actually thought of this during COVID. And uh, it's been operational since, you know, two entire years. We've completed two years of op uh, operational rollout. Uh, it started by creating the tech, the concept, identifying capital to deploy it. Uh, it will be a burn business for some time uh, because you're investing into people, tech, journey, uh, products, distribution, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, so it's just a two-year-old operational baby. And what is the, uh, like some numbers, some metrics, what, what is the premium collected? It would do around 100 crores in premium this year. Okay. Okay, so very, very early days, basically. It's it's still in the uh, zero very, to one journey. Very, uh, absolutely. I'm reliving my zero to one. <laughs> okay, amazing. Yep. Yeah. What is, uh, uh, how do you ensure that uh, the employees are aware that Elephant exists? I mean, if I'm working in a large conglomerate like Reliance, I may not even know that, like, go to Elephant. You, you know, how do you ensure adoption? I mean, one is you do a tie-up with the company and make it available. But how do you take it from being available to being used? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, 
I think it's very important to be there when the employee needs it because employee may need it only once or twice a year uh, for either renewing or needing to buy. So you are dependent on HR. And HR, uh, I must say, is a community which is very happy to ensure that their employees are aware. So you are a one dependent on HR communication. Uh, two, you know which company you are targeting, so you can use platforms like LinkedIn very effectively. Um, three, you are also you can use on-site uh, activations, gamifications. Uh, various things to ensure those employees are aware. Uh, so yeah, these are some of the tools you use and uh, I think a word of mouth also plays a very important role. So say you have, uh, if you're in Reliance and say you have 100 customers from Reliance, uh, you, you persuade in various ways to those 100 people for them to communicate it into their larger group rather than just depending on digital reach out or HR reach out. And uh, you are, uh, uh, obviously, you will need to have a larger bank and we will need more capital and which is what we are in the middle of raise. We are in the middle of our second raise right now uh, to raise more capital to ensure we have a, we have ability and capital to deploy an elephant. Your uh, last round is still unutilized. Why not just use that? Uh, or you want to keep that as a margin of safety. The last last sound is insignificant in our scale too. Okay. Six million dollars is uh, not significant money for the scale at which we are operating today. Uh, and if you have to have uh, a larger elephant reach out uh, to corporate India, uh, you will need anything between fifty to twenty million extra. Okay. Um, you know, this health insurance space is a pretty crowded space. There are at least four well-funded companies operating here and a lot of other not-so-well-funded companies. Uh, so, and I, I guess the approach for most of them is somewhat similar where they will get a company on, they will tell the company that now all your employees have an app where they can manage their health insurance, which is impactful to them. And then they can also buy add-ons uh, through the app if they want. And then the app will also give them access to like doctor consultations or whatever, like gym and wellness sessions and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, how are you going to compete with them? Because it seems like the market a similar is, place. market is very large, Akshay. It's a massive market. Uh, none of them have the muscle of alliance and the volume of alliance. Uh, so our ability to uh, negotiate deals with insurers, our ability to service, you name any sector top 50 clients and we would be uh, ensuring health of at least 10 of those top 15 every sector for their corporate employees, whether it is banks, NBFCs, uh, movie channels, large manufacturing, IT companies, insurance companies, uh, infra companies, power companies. So the, the scale at which we are servicing uh, these employees is very different than the scale at which these insurtechs are servicing and as I said it's a massive market uh, heavily underpenetrated I think everybody has uh, a place in this market and uh, uh, our our focus will remain uh, 
penetrating, creating value. And we believe because of our volume and because of our pedigree, uh, we have far more larger volume to drive and far more larger value to create. When somebody is buying health insurance through Alliance, uh, do they get uh, something like an app or something like that? Or like, like what do they get? Of course, it's called it's called Elephant Benefits. Okay, that is uh, Elephant itself, app. Or, or that's like a separate. No, it's it's just a health health app. Okay, it it allows them to uh, see a network of hospitals. It allows them to claim reimbursements, track their claims, uh, get into free doctor consultation get medicine discounts, gamify experience between, say, finance versus sales. Uh, it allows them ability to top up optional plans. It allows them flexi benefits that the HR can construct. Uh, it allows them to uh, upload their claim documents. It allows them to uh, reach out to various support ecosystems, RATAs, uh, digital communication. Uh, the works. So, why not uh, have that only as your uh, elephant app? Why a separate? No. Uh, uh, yeah, because believe uh, uh, there are three businesses that we are running. Uh, one is the elephant business, which is a voluntary insurance, not restricted to health. It could be motor, it could be various things. Then you have an alliance business which is the B2B business. And they both are catering to corporate employees. And they both need a common platform to service and meet those objectives. And that is what Elephant Benefits does because um, Elephant Benefits is not just focusing on health insurance. Uh, uh, Alliance as an as a, as a organization is not just doing health insurance. Uh, so we need to have a different platform that allows employees or health customers to get service in a very focused manner. There is no point having a, a two-wheeler insurance on your health plan, you know. It, it makes sense to have a top-up plan or a life plan or, or a cancer for women plan. But you can't have a car insurance plan. It's, there's no fitment. And why would you confuse your buyers, you know? Why would you confuse your customers? Got it. A bit like how, you know, Blinkit is a separate app, Zomato is a separate app. Uh, Absolutely. So. See, just because, just because, uh, uh, you know, I need to buy something uh, does not mean that it is available everywhere, whether there's a fitment or not, you know. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't have a combination of products that is either the customer or your target audience can't relate to or they feel they are the services are coming across as somebody trying to sell them something uh, it there has to be a natural fitment and that natural fitment may not be available uh, if you bring everything together got it got it okay do you also see uh, like you know a, a fintech play for elephant in the sense that like once you're selling insurance, you, you could also sell mutual fund investment, for example. The answer is, uh, there is synergy. Uh, I feel the first synergy is to fund the insurance premium as a loan. 
like a DNPL or an installment plan for absolutely so you know you're buying a life cover and your premium is 40000 rupees and you can put that on an installment platform i see that as the first synergy uh and then other things you know so yes if the, to answer your question yes there is you have access to market which can obviously uh do that but uh i think again the fitment it's all about fitment right you 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 want to be known as an uh an expert in a certain area rather than trying to do everything got it tell me about something which you regret something which you wish you had done different in the last 20 years of running alliance elephant i feel uh, i should have started expansion in 2010 pressed the accelerator and not waited for five years right yeah that, that confidence boost I of have, the I, pe funding was yes. not needed really. yeah it was not needed it was maybe it was uh it was circumstances age lack of experience uh maybe the environment which you are operating you are meeting more of people who are operating you know uh in a safe zone working somewhere uh i think i always had a larger appetite for risk uh which i was aware of but i should have not curtailed my natural uh instinct i then then alliance would have been uh possibly at a far more larger platform today okay uh, my last question to you uh, what advice would you like to give to young aspiring founders you just have one life uh go for it uh don't hold back uh, your um, fire in the belly and uh, you should be aggressive in what you want to achieve build a team with entrepreneurship background and don't think of it that you are uh, the boss and they are working for you think of it that you are working for those entrepreneurs and that will change the entire outlook amazing cool i am done with my questions is there any question you recommend i ask no i think you've covered all okay and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests write to me at ad@thepodium.in at that's ad@thepodium.in at